When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Simon Brew, and welcome to a bonus episode of Film Stories. Come with me. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. In movies, movies that had stories. The story just sucks them in. This is just the beginning. We would be honored if you would join us. Hello and welcome to Film Stories with Simon Brew. I am Simon Brew. As always, that's all you need to know about me. The aim of this podcast is to dig into the stories, as the title suggests, behind movies, the making of, the marketing of, just the little moments that help turn a, a, a production into, into what we see before our eyes, that get it into the public consciousness in some way. I'm delighted to welcome special guests for this special episode. Um, I'm going to be talking to the directors of Ralph Breaks the Internet, Wreck-It Ralph 2, uh, Phil Johnston and Rich Moore. They also co-wrote the script. Also credited in there are Jim Reardon, Pamela Ribbon and Josie Trinidad with some additional story material by Kelly Younger. I have to credit writers. It's in my DNA. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play you a clip from the movie, which comes out in cinemas uh, today in the UK, 30th of November. Um, And then we're going to launch straight into the conversation. You'll hear Phil speak. Well, you'll hear me speak first, then Phil, then Rich. Hope you enjoy it. And here's the clip. Games. Pancake. Milkshake. Out of my way, kids. Pancake. Milkshake. Milkshake. (laughs) I'm starting to understand why people like this game. Very zen. Milkshake. Hey, look what I found. More pancakes. Let's speed it up. Pancake, 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 pancake. Eat, little buddy. Eat, eat, eat. Uh, Ralph, you might want to try feeding the kitty for a little while. No, the kitty gets the milkshake. The bunny gets the pancake. Hello, everybody. Hello, Simon Brew. How are you? All right. Thank you very much. How are you both? I, I, I mean, are you happy? Because I've been reading box office numbers and things like that. Um, and it seems like you should be happy. So are you happy? <laughs> I'm never happy, Simon. Okay. I'm, I'm happy. Yep. I am happy. More than, more than anything, more than, honestly, box office numbers, finding people are loving the movie and, and re-engaging with the characters and um, digging Shank and, you know, the Alan Menken song and all that stuff. That makes me very happy because mm-hmm. it's lived in our brains for so many years that finally having it out in the world is very gratifying. There, there, is, there is a point somewhere in, in my question uh, for a change in that there's, there's, a kind of, there's a kind of thing around the release of a film where you, I, I suppose the rule is you're supposed to be a little bit, oh, well, you know, it, it may or may not have a huge box office appeal, which it clearly has. But also you've got a contrast point here, it strikes me, because the ongoing impact of the first film, I think it's been quite pronounced. 
Um, and I wonder how you feel about that and how, you know, that informs how you gauge going through a successful release period. Having uh, made the first film? Yeah, yeah. With that, because because you're yeah. going through an opening uh, an opening at the moment, yeah. and that's all very instant, yeah. and it's box office numbers and great. But but what's very clear about the first film is in the mm-hmm. six years since that came out, that means something to people, you know, mm-hmm. which isn't the yeah. full snapshot you're getting right here off the second one. But that means something to people, and I I wonder how conscious you are of that, and how you kind uh, uh, you know how that informs how you react to the stuff coming through th- with this film now. Oh, interesting. I wasn't until you brought it up just now. Um, yeah. But I guess it it is this feeling of yeah, with with the first Ralph movie and then Zootropolis. Yeah. Never had to say like, is it as good as the first one? Do they are they liking it as much as the first one? And when I see comments that say um, it's better than the first one, I go, oh, thank God, you know, yeah, yeah really good. And then when they say, oh, I like the first one better, then for some reason that's, that feels negative to me, <laughs> you know. But, but we made the first one, yeah. <laughs> you know. That, that should make me happy, yeah. you know. I don't know why, why hearing, I like this one better, it's better than the first one, makes me feel happier than yeah. vice versa when it's the latest and I guess the latest it's the newest but you you're know. right it is a I if I'm being honest I am riddled with anxiety and have been out of sheer terror that well partially that people won't like it but as much as anything that that we will besmirch the good name of the first That's movie yeah. you know um, when you're proud of something and you love the characters you don't want to muck it up and you want to you want it to be godfather 2 not jaws 2 and you want to really take it to a new place and and earn its way onto the screen and i've been terrified that you know what if we didn't do that you know no it, it, it's interesting though isn't it because in the immediacy of a film's release that that tends to be particularly now the ecosystem in which it's initially judged um, and the cauldron of reactions comes in at that at this point, but the film lasts. The film lasts forever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't. You've hardly made Rocky Five, have you? I mean, being blunt. I mean, I think I think call it um, arrogance or delusion yeah. or or just a, a big dream. Really, is that that's what you want? You yeah. want these to be something that lasts forever, and um, you know when. That's that's kind of when we go to work at Disney and walk down the hall and see the 56 films that have preceded ours. Yeah, 20 classics. It's not a small thing to to take on a sequel at all. It hasn't been done more than a couple times there. Yeah. So beyond the fact that we love these characters and um, you know are proud of the first film, there's also a legacy of films, many of which have. Last, all of which have lasted forever, and many of which stand in the, you know, in the hall of classics. And so there's a lot of, I, yeah, it's it's really it's 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 the dream we all have when we make when we make art. Well, if I could, Rich, Rich, I've spoken to you about this before, but if I can zero in on the character of Vanellope, because mm-hmm. I think Vanellope is the best 
Disney character of the last decade for me. I think what she stands for and how she is relatable to people is quietly groundbreaking. I really think she she's a spectacular three-dimensional rounded character who is meaning the world to an awful lot of people who feel a little bit ostracized by the world you know by by, by the surroundings of the world and i'm conscious i'm just wondering how keenly aware of you are, are you of that because in truth i didn't want you to make a sequel to this no in, in my heart of hearts because that ending to the first film i thought was great i'm not, I'm not gonna say it out loud to spoil it and i'm glad you made a sequel to it but in the nicest sense that the, the vanellope and ralph at the end of that first film was just incredible to me it was really poignant it was heartbreaking it was lovely it was warm and it just showed hope in the world without wishing to sound too twee about it how conscious of you are, are you of that going in of just how much and in how many hidden ways that character has hit people and and how does that you know how does that inform you taking the story forward? Well, thank you very much for that, Simon. That's a, a huge compliment. Um, I I think it it would be it would be paralyzing to yeah. to try and and to really feel you know that well if if we make a sequel you know we're going to ruin all that. Hmm. It's more. It's more if we make a sequel and it doesn't go the way we hope, you know, that that what we did before is is going to be broken, um, because then I don't think we would ever do anything, you know, that we we kind of go into it with a love for the characters and and the hope that that we can expand on what it is that people love about them, um, yeah. and and maybe add a dimension that maybe the fans of that character didn't know existed, you know, and, and when, when you get the comment from the fans of this is the sequel, I didn't know that I needed, you know, I think that that's what they're saying, you know, that I love the character, you know, I was afraid that, that she would, you know, feel not like herself, you know, but um, but it does feel like her, and it took her to a level that I didn't know that she could go, and 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 it's appreciated. So yeah, uh, I think it's a bit of that delusion that we have as creative people um, that when we take on one of these things, that in the end it's going to be okay, and that that we're going to get them to that next level. Phil, can I can I just ask you then how how natural the move to directing was for you? Because you you I've always got a sense you've had quite a strong creative involvement just beyond um, the writing of the films. That that the the culture of the creation of the movies over the last decade has been extremely collaborative. But is it a case that once you get like the, the uh, once you're a co-director, it does change it for you? for you and you know do people just look at you in a different way in the canteen or something like that have you have you suddenly crossed a line are you on the dark side then <laughs> yeah no i mean working as a uh, as a writer on on ralph the first ralph and yeah. then on Zetropolis, and working closely with rich as as one of my very good friends and then also as um a, a close collaborator like rich has been great in that he didn't ever look at me or treat me as, quote, just the writer. It was always a very close collaboration, and my voice was always 
heard in the room, which isn't always the case in, in uh, uh, the film business, yes. um, where the writer is respected at that level. And Rich always did everything he could to sort of foster that within the studio. And so, uh, and I've learned a lot from him. I was a fan when I met him from his work on Simpsons, and, and I've learned a lot as uh, a filmmaker from him over the years that we worked together. And so our collaboration on this film is really kind of just an extension of the work we have been doing. And um, other than the riding crop and jodhpurs I wear in the studio, people... Good luck. The, Good luck. megaphone I use when I scream at them, yeah. people are treating me with the same... Uh, no, honestly, it's, it's, it's a very... It, it is such a collaborative medium that... Um, it's, it's been, I don't want to say a simple transition, but but probably not as difficult as you might think. Have you enjoyed it? I always think that's a really simple question to ask people, but I'm always curious about it. But uh, uh, fundamentally, have you enjoyed it? Has it been an interesting process to you, taking on that extra responsibility and that extra role? Has that been fun? I've loved, I love where we are right now. Yeah. And I can't say that it was always fun. It was, it's, these movies are hard. Mm. And um, I'm thrilled and proud of the work we have done, and I love this movie. And if I said I enjoyed every minute of making it, I would be lying. But I'm overjoyed, and I'm so proud that we we stuck with it and and made the thing. I wonder then, rather than ending with the question about if you're going to do a third one, um, I could ask you this. The, the pair of you have, have, have put so much good into the world um, that there are people listening, reading, however they're, they're, they're getting this, this interview, who are just feeling a little bit lost, who have creative sparks in them that they feel haven't been discovered. I'm wondering, what would you say to those people, to the people who, who have stories within them but just feel that their stories don't matter? And, and they've got no way of telling them. Is there something you could say to them? Well, I think that they should know that their stories do matter a lot. Um, if it's important to them, it's, it's, if they're feeling that way, there's someone else out there who feels the same. I think that, that we're human beings and that, that we all have the same, the same hopes, fears, feelings, um, and however they can get that story told, it doesn't have to be in a big animated film or a epic, you know, live action movie, even if it's just simply written on paper and, you know, shared amongst their families, um, or friends, um, that, that's important. I think it's important to share those stories that, that the people have inside of themselves because, we started the same way. We weren't born into a situation where, you know, we're directing a, a big Disney animated film. You know, we, we started the exact same way and they can reach the, the same level or whatever level they want, you know, um, but it takes work. And I would just add to that, you know, Rich, Rich and I very much look at these characters as extensions of ourselves and people we know in our lives and I think our story on the surface you know the story we're trying to tell might not seem that likely or might these characters are outsiders and outcasts kind of within their own world and somehow we have found a way to give voice to them and um, 
you know, I think I think everyone has, if they want to tell their story, their unique experience is what makes them human, and what what um, what makes every story great is the people who you're talking about. So, um, you know, I would say keep going, and if you have something to say, say it. Well, can I just say a huge congratulations to you both, um, and I look forward to Wreck-It Ralph 3 being in the world of the ZX Spectrum, <laughs> that you could give it a proper, a proper British homely feel there, but, but I mean, congratulations. I, 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 the, the underlying mental health stuff that you've put in into these films, I actually think is life-changing to people, and I don't know if people tell you that, but I know from first and second-hand experience that it is true. So huge congratulations, and thank you for existing. Thank, Thank you, Simon. Great talking to you. And that was Rich Moore and Phil Johnson talking about Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet. I'll be back with the regular episode of Film Stories shortly. Uh, in the meantime, you can find the you can find the podcast uh, on Twitter at Film Stories Pod, where you can also find details of our print magazine, which is available now. Uh, you can find us online at filmstories.co.uk, on Facebook at filmstories.com/filmstoriesonline, and on YouTube at youtube.com/filmstories. Thanks, as always, for listening. Take care, and see you soon. Bye bye.